Some say the U.S. dollar will become worth less. Others say it could be totally worthless. Today, we're talking about whether the U.S. dollar will remain the world reserve currency with a unique angle you've never heard before. If you're watching this in the United States, I think it's important that you don't want to let hubris get in the way. The reality is the U.S. dollar is not only becoming worth less thanks to inflation, it's becoming used less around the world, whether we like it or not. And I believe there could be a new system where with the U.S. dollar used less throughout the world and Americans becoming less relevant, you could have less access to goods, less ability to travel the world. Let's talk about facts, not fear. Now, when Twitter founder Jack Dorsey announced on his own platform last year that the U.S. dollar would no longer be the world reserve currency, people freaked out. But the reality is the dollar is becoming less and less relevant. If you go back to the turn of the century in 2001, 73% of the global reserves were held in U.S. dollars. That didn't leave much room for any other currency to be in the mix. Fast forward barely two decades to today, 58% of those reserves are now held in dollars. And so the fact that the dollar as the world reserve currency does things like make imports less expensive for Americans that's becoming less and less relevant. And so there is no currency that maintains its dominance forever, just as no empire maintains its dominance forever. And that's why I say we don't want to let our hubris get in the way. What we hear from many people in the United States and in the West is, well, things will remain the same because they've always been that way. You see Warren Buffett talk about you should invest in America because it's worked for the last 60 years. But will it work for the next 60 with more countries that are becoming more organized, more developed, and that are growing at anywhere from double to 10x the pace of the United States? It's not as sure of a bet as it has been. Show me an empire that still exists that's lasted forever. Show me a currency that's dominated throughout the course of human history. Things ebb and flow. And so the consensus has been that because the U.S. has been one of the main importers of stuff in the world, that as one person said, you have to do it in dollars. And I think back to when I was a kid 30 years ago, and we would watch in elementary school footage of, oh, here's what's happening in China. Look at them. They're riding bicycles around. There are almost no cars on the road. It was just a road full of bicycles in a China that looks much different than it does today. Look at pictures of China, of the UAE, of any place in the world. Go look at pictures of Singapore 30 to 50 years ago, South Korea. Lots of countries, particularly in Asia, have made dramatic leaps forward, including countries you almost never hear about, from Indonesia to Nigeria to Brazil. These countries are growing, and they're importing more stuff. They're bigger participants in the world economy. And so it only makes sense to go from a 73% to 58% because some of those places don't really want to use the dollar. Here's a fact that blew me away. 29% of the world's economy is now sanctioned by the United States. And so you've seen recently with, let's say, the war in Ukraine, the U.S. and the Western allies that they have have gone and sanctioned the Russian government, sanctioned numerous Russian individuals, and said, hey, you can't take part basically in the world financial system and anything that involves dollars, that involves euros. That was the punishment. And what some people said was, oh, well, Russia was prepared for that. And that's why you're seeing more talk, revived talks of currency among the BRICS. You're seeing more stuff being done in other currencies because countries like Russia, China, India, 
uh, South Africa, who recently said, hey, if Putin comes here, we're not going to arrest him. We don't care that you have an international arrest warrant. We're not going to do that. Brazil, again, I've talked about others like Indonesia, Nigeria. You've got other countries that are up and coming that have big populations that are moving in the right direction. They're making more money. They may not have the standard of living the U.S. does now, but they may have more people, and they're growing a heck of a lot faster. But what's happening? At the same turn of the century, where 73% of the global reserves were in dollars, 8% of the world economy was sanctioned by the United States. It's almost quadrupled in barely for uh, two decades. And so what does that mean? You've got countries that are increasingly consumers. It used to be 30 or 50 or 60 years ago, back when uh, my parents were born, half of the world lived in extreme poverty. That number was in the single digits just a couple of years ago, from half to single digits in a lifetime. Now you see those same countries, they are building middle classes. They are building skyscrapers in their biggest cities. They have people who want to buy products. This is the biggest conversation in Africa now is you're starting to see a middle class. People start making $10,000 a year. Then they start making, in some cases, $15,000, $20,000 a year. Even, you know, some, you know, eight, $9,000 salaries, like that's, you can really have a lot of purchasing power in some of these African countries. They want products. It's no longer just the West that's importing. The world that I was born into 38 years ago, where the U.S. was the best place to be born, followed by West Germany, doesn't exist anymore. And the countries that we talk about, like Malaysia or the UAE or Colombia, were places you would never go. You would have no reason to go. They had no level of development. But that's dramatically changed. And so not only are these people looking for goods that challenges the system, you say, okay, why don't they just use dollars? Isn't that the currency? And sure, listen, you look at places that we talk about in Eastern Europe, they price their real estate in dollars. You go to some places in Latin America, they price their stuff in dollars. They think in dollars, or heck, even in places like Ecuador, hey, we're just, we'll just use the U.S. dollar, why not? But 29% of this world, including some of these emerging countries, have now been basically sanctioned by the U.S. They've been cut out. They've been told, we don't want you because we don't agree with you. And so I can kind of understand 8%. It sounds to me that 8% of the world being bad actors in a somewhat legitimate way makes sense. I'm having a hard time believing that almost one-third of the world is just bad actors. And what I think we're setting ourselves up for is a world where, just as you saw in the Ukraine-Russia war, not giving my comments on that, we've talked about that before, but just look at that. You have certain countries that are basically in the West, that are very much against Russia. They've sanctioned Russia. It is the EU. Uh, it is the U.S., Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, and a few others. Talk to people from India about this issue. They're on the exact other side. Talk to people from China. Look at these guys. Look at what South Africa is doing. Look at what Brazil is doing. Uh, go to parts, Indonesia, for example. They don't have a dog in this fight. Some people don't even really pay attention to it. It's not a story for them. Maybe they're thinking about other wars in other parts of the world. They don't have an opinion. It does not bother them. Uh, even look at Turkey. They're saying, hey, we're neutral. And so you're setting yourself up for you know, different parts of the world where it used to be the U.S. rules the Western world, and there is no other world. They're riding bicycles. They're living in jungles. They're living in huts. We're not going to go there. Well, now those economies are moving in the right direction. That's why you're seeing what's happening with BRICS. That's why you're seeing Brazil and Argentina get together. And so people laugh. Again, I go back to the hubris. People laugh and say, oh, you know, Brazil and Argentina, what are they going to do? Well, they are going to take a slice of the pie. Because one of the things that, that I think is, is very interesting 
people will ask me, hey, where's the one good place to move? And I think we've conditioned people to realize uh, what we do here at Nomad Capitalist, we help high net worth individuals who don't want to pay high taxes, don't want to see their freedom, freedoms dwindling away, don't want to be the, the bad guy anymore because they don't pay enough because their government mismanaged their money. They want options. They want to move somewhere else for lower taxes. They want to have a second passport. They come to Nomad Capitalist because we've worked with dozens upon dozens upon dozens of countries that give them tax-friendly living, give them second citizenship, give them banking that they can diversify their wealth, give them investments, give them better yields. There's lots of places to go. But it wasn't that long ago that your list wouldn't have been that long. If you wanted to go to Asia, okay, fine, Singapore. You wouldn't have thought about Malaysia or Thailand or even people are living in Vietnam now. So the number of options in pretty much everything is becoming dramatically bigger. And I think the same thing applies to what's going to happen in terms of the world as a reserve currency. You're going to see more niche players. It's not going to be one that just comes in and conquers the dollar. People are saying, well, what else is going to replace it? A lot of little things could potentially replace it because we're setting up to see a world where there's different pockets of influence that each have increasing influence from a geopolitical perspective and from a financial perspective, and they're increasingly not welcome in the West. They've just been shut out. They don't really have any other choice in some cases but to set up alternatives. Are they just supposed to sit with, in some cases, 50, 100, 300 million, you know, or even bigger populations and just say, well, the U.S. doesn't like us, so I guess we'll starve to death. No, they're not going to do that. So that's where the marginal decline is. Each little percentage point takes away geopolitical power, not only from what happens with the U.S. dollar, but from the United States itself, that those sanctions become less and less relevant. And so if you're living in the United States, probably your entire world, your entire media diet is focused on the West. That's what people tell us. Well, there's nowhere to move to because Canada and Australia look pretty bad too. Yeah, I'm not talking about going to Canada and Australia. Now, I'm not saying you should move to Nigeria. I do certainly think there's probably investment opportunities in, in Africa for people who are bold. Certainly, I've done pretty well with investments in Indonesia, and people do live in Bali. Uh, but I'm talking about realizing that there are countries that aren't even on your radar that are going to play a, a greater role in chipping away at the dominance of the dollar, chipping away at the dominance of the West. Do I think the dollar is going away forever? No. Do I think it's going to collapse other than the fact that it's lost 99% of its purchasing power uh, in just over a century. No, it's it's not going to just collapse overnight. I don't believe people will be, you know, like the Weimar Republic necessarily. But I think you want to be prepared that things are going to chip away in an increasing pace. Because here's some numbers for you. China's economy, up 16-fold since 2001. We're going back to the same turn of the century. Brazil and South Africa did not do as well. They've tripled. Indonesia has 6 x The U.S., it has grown. It's a little more than doubled. And so Brazil and South Africa, they're not totally outpacing the U.S., and obviously they don't have the same standard of living. Uh, but the Asian economies in particular are doing very well, and they have been decidedly against uh, a lot of the stuff that the U.S. Uh, is doing. And they have drawn the ire. I mean, again, from Turkey to India to China, these are the countries that are on the wrong side of the coin, according to the United States. Now, I would argue that if you have assets, you want to hedge against what's happening. I don't want to be in all dollars. And so you might want to have an offshore bank account uh, where you can hold different currencies or an offshore brokerage account where you can buy stocks that are denominated in different currencies. Maybe the yields are higher. Maybe the tax situation could potentially be better. 
I also think that you probably want to have a second passport. And hey, if you can get citizenship through your family tree, if you're American and your grandparents were Irish, hey, get your Irish passport. I'm all for it. But you might want to have some passport that's in one of these other countries, the dark horse countries that you haven't heard much about, and realize that's where the growth is going to be. You're not going to be able to get an Indian passport uh, unless you're ethnic Indian and you want to give up whatever passport you have now. Getting Chinese citizenship practically impossible. Most Asian citizenships are, but uh, there are citizenships you can obtain. If you want to talk more about this, leave a comment below. Where you're in a different part of the world than where you're from now, and I think that it, you do so at your peril. Ignore uh, countries just because they don't fall into the Western sphere. You're seeing, I mean, China, ADEX basically growth compared to the U.S., and you have other economies that are doing the same. And so what is the alternative? Well, the yen, for example, the Japanese yen went from 3.5% of this pie that the U.S. occupies still a majority of up to 5.5%. So that's a 2 percentage point gain. What do I always tell you? Change happens at the margin. We've told you the example in the U.S., the Great Recession, the housing crisis, something like 68 or 69% of people own homes at the beginning, 63 right around there at the end. It's like the Great Depression. People think, oh, everyone was out of job. No, no, no. 75% of folks had a job. 90% of folks had a job during the Great Recession. That was a marginal improvement. And look at how it, it took everybody down to the, to the bare walls, basically. So you start losing 2% here, 2% there, 1% there. It becomes uh, a bigger and bigger issue. The world is becoming fragmented. And so what I've been doing for uh, well over, I mean, I guess 15 years now is traveling around to over 100 countries, living in many of them, investing in a number of them, banking in a number of them, and seeing how much different it is in the U.S., seeing how much potential there is in some of these places, seeing how fast they're growing. You go to some of the places that I'm living, there's skyscrapers going up all over the place, not just in one place where people are moving right now, like Miami or something, because they're 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 you know decreasing their taxes a little bit, but you're seeing growth all over the place in some of these countries, and people are realizing we have a real middle class now. And many of these people do not look at the West or the U.S. in particular. They don't want to be part of that system. Uh, you look at in South Africa, for example. They said, "Hey, listen, the Soviet Union was the one that saved us." This is what people just told me recently. The Soviet Union saved us, not the West. We don't want to do with you. And so, yes, South Africa is not growing that much faster than the U.S., but some of these other countries are saying the same thing. I've told you, for example, Malaysia. I spend time there. Uh, they've said, hey, listen, what are we getting from the U.S.? I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, but the last prime minister in particular, like, we've been very loyal to the U.S., and are they really helping us? Maybe we should look at who can give our people the best, right? Malaysia first. If you're in the U.S., hey, America first, right? And people say, oh, that makes sense, Andrew. Why don't you understand? I understand if you allow other countries to say the same thing. Malaysians are going to say Malaysia first. They're no longer just going to say, well, the U.S. is the one power, so we're going to go along with it. We're going to use the People are not doing that anymore. Now, I'm going to tell you what you can do about this. Uh, I happen to think that the U.S. and other countries will crack down like a, a, a tiger that's, you know, the, the cornered, right? It, it attacks you. Ah, it wants to, it wants to rip your face off. Uh, you've had FATCA, for example, passed in the Obama administration. It was always a requirement if you had offshore bank accounts to report them. But FATCA made it to where all the banks and financial institutions have to tattletale on you. No problem. The form is not that difficult to handle. We have international tax pros who help our clients. It's not a reason to not bank offshore, diversify your currencies, diversify where your cash is held. I believe that you'll see more restrictions, capital controls, uh, things like that, 
on what you can do with your money as the U.S. dollar and the U.S. economy become less and less relevant. It's only natural that in a world where success is being democratized, that one country will not have 73% or even 58% of the share. Your dollars are still strong now, and so you can still go out and obtain second citizenship by making investments in property, by hiring people, by building businesses, by making donations in countries and places like the Caribbean. Um, you can still you know, go and uh, you know, buy currencies at a lower rate. I would take advantage of this opportunity to diversify, again, not only while the dollar is still strong on a global level, uh, but while uh, they're still allowing you to move your money. I mean, look at what happened if you ever wanted to give up your citizenship. In 2001, same turn of the century, it was free. Now it costs thousands of dollars, a small price to pay for many, but it shows how they're not just going to let you walk out the door with your person or with your money when the tiger is cornered. And so do I think that they're going to literally lock you up in a camp somewhere? No. I just think there are going to be more restrictions, what I call de facto restrictions. Uh, who knows what those could be, but it will not be as easy to move your money. You can legally move your money. There's a couple of asset classes you can put your money in. It's not even required to be reported. Things like real estate under certain circumstances, certain precious metals held overseas. Uh, doesn't even have to be reported. Bank accounts, brokerage accounts, things like that do. And so you may not want to invest in Russia because you just don't believe in it. Um, you don't believe in the story. Maybe there's moral reasons, but you're not going to invest in any emerging market. You see how some of them are growing nine or tenfold as fast as the U.S. And so, again, if you have strong dollars, I think it's an opportunity before the U.S. dollar is the reserve currency reaches not majority status of global reserves, but plurality, i.e. less than 50%. This is a time to diversify. Why are second passports becoming more expensive? Why are prices going up? Why are programs being closed? Uh, why are you know entry points on a bank that used to require one million now it's five million in some cases? The one that was two hundred thousand now it's half a million. Why? Americans again, often the bubble. They say, well, you know, uh, I don't know why they. Do. I'll tell you why. Because everyone from Indonesia. There's a whole new business, the Singaporean banks of Indonesians who have a lot of money now. There's a whole new business of people doing second passports in Indonesia. Fill in any other emerging market country. Now, you don't know about that because you don't follow Indonesia. I follow Indonesia. They are have a huge population. Again, Nigeria, West Africa, driving huge uh, investments in places like Dubai, uh, getting residence permits and passports. No one's sitting around saying, well... You know, we need more Americans. These countries that are looking for investment, it's not all about the United States. They may collect payment for second citizenship in dollars, but it really doesn't matter to them. They want people from all around the world who have money to invest. We help Americans get second residence, citizenship, offshore bank accounts, make investments overseas. We do it in a very holistic way. Uh, and if you're new to this and you're not sure what to do, come to our live event, Nomad Capitalist Live. It's happening in Kuala Lumpur, a country where you will come to, Malaysia, and you will say, I never imagined a country like Malaysia would be this functional, this beautiful, the people so nice. Everything just works. I think Kuala Lumpur is a better city than many cities in the United States. And I know a lot of Americans agree. Uh, and so if you want to learn about this stuff and you're not ready to, to go you know, all in, Nomad Capitalist Live is coming up this September. It's four days of wall-to-wall -wall information. We do not go light on the information. We pour it on you. Uh, big league. We've got a lot of other keynote speakers. Go to nomadcapitalist.com slash live. That would be a great place for people who are figuring out what to do to protect themselves as the dollar becomes a little less relevant. 
It's all happening over four days. It's the Nomad Capitalist team. It's a lot of expert speakers. How do you bank? How do you invest? How do you live? How do you get a passport? How do you protect yourself? The U.S. isn't going away, but it will become a little bit less relevant every year, and it'd be a good opportunity for you to have your finger in a couple of different pies to make sure that you're protected.